0: Hey, folks, it's Lowe's Logic. The way I see the world and the way I believe the world sees me. A quote from the Bible. Do not gloat when your enemy falls. When they stumble, do not let your heart rejoice or the Lord will see and disapprove and turn his wrath away from them." Proverbs 24, verses 17 and 18. I'm bringing this verse into the front side of this discussion as I begin to try and wrap my head around the issue of race in America. You see, as an African American man, one of the most difficult challenges I face on a consistent basis is ensuring that those who are not African American, who've never met me, who may be able to meet me or be in the space that I occupy, know that I just am someone out here trying to breathe. And work. And benefit from the fruits of my labor. Just as anyone else. That I love. That I care about life. That have hobbies, dreams, goals. Occasionally I love to laugh. Watch a good movie. Read a good book. And just be me. So when I get into... Looking at where we are in this country, I want to focus on three areas. One, land, real estate. Historically, what we know is the early settlers came to this country and essentially determined and were supported to determine that this land was freely available to own. And we don't need to go into all of the details of how that happened, but what I will say is when we overlay slavery, the Emancipation Proclamation, the promise of 40 acres and a mule, and we then overlay that with the fact that African-Americans still don't own homes in the United States of America at a rate close to their counterparts in the year 2022. When we talk about real estate, and I read in the paper that many more people are facing homelessness right now. And this is affecting people who, and I quote, This doesn't happen to people like me. A recent article in the Post Sunday this week, a woman who made approximately $100,000 last year is living in her car with her child. This is tragic. This shouldn't be in the United States of America. This woman happened to be white. And what makes this A point of discussion today as someone who was homeless in 1987 for three years I might add I don't want to dismiss that she's experiencing something that I've been through but I can't also dismiss the fact that there's a belief that this shouldn't happen to her it shouldn't happen to anyone it shouldn't happen to anyone Let's move away from real estate and land for a minute and talk about public health and the criminal justice system. In the late 80s, as I was graduating from high school, came out of high school in 1983, there was in this city, Washington, D.C., what was described as a crack epidemic. Cocaine ravaged the lives of many people in this city, many of African American uh, descent, as well as uh, others. You know, we had people of all races who experienced this, but the devastation seemed to hit the African American community a little harder. Because on one end of the spectrum, you had young people who were dying for opportunity and looking for money, peddling drugs to others who were parents of children, essentially destroying homes. And we had what was then known as the era of the crack baby, the babies born to women who had been addicted to this substance. Babies who are still suffering. And when I say still suffering, we're talking about people who are now adults and some are possibly raising children of their own or having raised children of their own. And the layers of that problem permeated generations. And the sentences that were leveled against the young men who were peddling, young women who were peddling these substances did not equate to people who carried the same amount of powder cocaine in terms of weight and volume. So, it wasn't right that people were using this substance. It wasn't right that this substance was able to tear families apart. But it just didn't seem fair that sentences were leveled at a different rate. And today, we're talking about another drug epidemic that has somehow raised itself to the level of a public health crisis, meaning we have resources and time and interest devoted at diverting the opioid crisis. Now, I could say, or I could argue, or I could look at the fact that many African Americans have suffered from opioid abuse use over the years And they were considered the dregs of a society. But suddenly, painkillers that were uh, infiltrated communities by large corporations who are now being sued as a result of their efforts to make money. These painkillers have found themselves in the hands of people who otherwise didn't need pain medication, but are now suddenly addicted to an opioid. And we have a public health crisis. And we've actually figured out who to blame. I'm still trying to figure out who to blame for the crack epidemic. You know, some say it was the CIA. I don't know. I can't speak on that. I'm not that versed. Don't have the facts. But getting back to how crack cocaine versus the opioid crisis is being dealt with from the standpoint of a criminal justice matter to now a public health crisis, it's awestruck. I'm awestruck. I just, you know, don't want to say it's not racist or it's not race, but it seems to be. It seems that this problem is being addressed a little different today. And lastly, I wanna talk about policing in America. You know, I had the opportunity to sit back in this week hear about a young man who in Ohio was fling the police and got out of a car, and then he ran. And then initially it was alleged that he fired upon the police. but at any rate, he exited the vehicle and fled the scene. And what we know based on media accounts is that ninety shots were fired in his direction, and that approximately sixty shots hit him and many of those shots were from the front side of his body to his face and head at a time with which he is said to have been unarmed. He was an African-American. Within the same week, tragically, three police officers and a police dog in Kentucky, serving a warrant were killed by a suspect who happened to be white and in this tragic scenario, he was apprehended and he lives today to face the judicial system. In Highland Park at an Independence Day celebration, a young man perched himself upon a rooftop and fired upon at least 200 people, striking over 30 and killing another seven. He was apprehended within an hour and he will live to face his judicial system, his accusers. Tragically, and this is where it gets to be me refocusing this discussion on the fact that no one should leave, lose their lives to violent act. Not a policeman, not a, a, a citizen. And even the criminals shouldn't die after they commit a crime unless, of course, they're threatening the lives of others at the very moment that they're about to be apprehended. But when I heard about what happened in Detroit. Apparently someone was wielding a weapon and they were firing what's described as indiscriminately into a crowd and police officers happened upon the scene killing the suspect but prior to killing the suspect the suspect killed an officer. And I had to refocus again because when You look at the idea of racism and policing. You know, as an African-American man, if you hear about young African-American men being killed by the police at an alarming rate, and somehow when people who are not African-American storm the Capitol and threaten police officers, and it all plays out on television, And policing shows restraint with regard to those actions against the capital of the United States. You overlay that with the number of young African-American men that seem to die after allegedly committing crimes and being apprehended. They seem to die at a higher rate at the hands of police. And then you hear about a man who's not African American killing three police officers and a police dog and he lives to face his accusers and then you hear about someone who shoots over 40 people killing seven and he lives to face his accusers and, uh, you know, I don't need to go back to the Buffalo shooting. I don't need to talk about Kyle Rittenhouse. You know, one could say that there is a challenge living as an African American. So we talked about land, real estate, homelessness. We talked about substance abuse and the difference between the judicial system and a public health crisis. We talked about policing and how at times it can't appear as though there's a stark difference on how policing occurs as it relates to who the suspect of a crime is. Folks, I want to be very clear, no one should suffer homelessness, no one should suffer substance abuse, no one should die going to work as a police officer, no one should die after they commit a crime, unless, of course, during their apprehension, they are attempting to harm another person, because there's a difference. I'm not saying a killer should not be shot upon if he's actively trying to hurt someone. I definitely don't agree with that, so I don't want that to get misconstrued. I don't have any answers. I just would like people to start having honest, you know, table talk, coffee, lunchroom, water cooler discussions civilly about these things because I don't think they'll ever be solved if we can't at least have a discussion offering our deep feelings and concerns about it respectfully with one another. i will do it for me. This has been Lowe's Logic. The way I see the world and the way I believe it sees me Keep your hearts, spirits, and minds intact. And if no one's told you today, I love you. Peace.